0: Hello, my name is Julia Streets and welcome to Diversity Podcast. Today we're going to look at diversity and inclusion, from the spectrum of 20 plus years of supporting gender and inclusion in financial services, looking at young talent with a particular focus on how do we address some of those shortcomings in ethnic representation. My first guest is Vivian Arts, Chief Privacy Officer at Thomson Reuters, who brings more than 20 years of experience in the legal and financial services industry. She's a senior representative on many, many industry boards. And last year, Vivian took on the presidency of the Women in Banking and Finance. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. My second guest today is Dr. Miranda Braun. Equally, 20 plus years in investment banking and legal. And she was one of the first women of colour on the trading floors in the 1990s. She is the Director of Legal and Transaction Services at Daiwa Capital and also the Founder and CEO of the Miranda Braun Diversity Leadership Foundation, blazing the way for the next generation and supporting diversity, both in financial services and the legal profession. Thank you for joining us. As is always the way on Diversity Podcasts, we permit each of our guests uh, a minutes to talk about some of the issues and initiatives that you're working on at the moment. Vivian, let me start with you. What are you up to at the moment?
1: Oh, thank you very much, Julia. Well, obviously, I have my day job as Chief Privacy Officer at uh, Thomson Reuters, which is most definitely a full-time job. But no job is full unless you can also fulfil your passion. And my passion is gender diversity. So I am the new president for Women in Banking and Finance. And Women in Banking and Finance, or WIBF, as we like to call it for short, um, is uniquely and not for profit membership organization with both corporate and individual members Um, I say uniquely because we also have branches in Bristol London Edinburgh Glasgow and Birmingham so we have reach all over the UK reflecting our membership and we've been around for a while Um, 1980 is when we were founded um, and we're run by members for members aiming to foster our members' ambitious spirit um, with networking events, we do development programmes, and also leadership opportunities. So we're very much a network for our members throughout their career, from graduate straight through to boardroom.
0: Fantastic. That's great. And, and Miranda, so why don't you talk to your Again, another exceptionally busy woman. What are you up to these days?
2: I'm up a lot. So my day job, as you've mentioned, is working for Daiwa Capital Markets, and I'm their director of legal and transaction management, which is why I'm responsible for derivatives and regulations across Europe. But outside of my day job, and I get a lot of support from Daiwa, I'm the founder and director for the Miranda Braun Diversity Leadership Foundation. And that's helping to close the diversity gap with the next generation by empowering them to succeed and work on the type of workplace that they would like to see in the future. The work that we do includes mentoring, funding, work experience and diversity lectures. We made UK history last year by launching the first race diversity lecture aimed at school children aged from 14 to 21 years old. And we won an award from the prime minister. So it's wonderful. It's been a wonderful start. We also have a mentoring programme, which includes top leaders helping our next generation of black, Asian or minority ethnic leaders or future leaders across the UK. Wonderful.
0: That's great. And and what I love about this episode I've been really looking forward to it. We're looking at it from two lenses, really. So one of them is, you know, women in banking and finance. Was this the first award scheme uh, in the UK? If we we go back, you know, 21 years now.
1: 21 years. I think it is actually the first award scheme. And it was generated by um, women uh, who had come together through WIBF. And it was finally the opportunity to recognise and celebrate the achievements of women in the city. Mm -hmm. There have been so few women. uh, There are many more now than they were in the past. Um but it was about getting that recognition and actually as that community celebrating the amazing achievements um, of those women and recognizing that they are indeed role models and an inspiration for other women who are forging their way in the city. So it's fantastic that we're coming up to 21 years, we're finally legal.
0: And finally legal, I love that. So it said the lawyers around the table, it's, it's wonderful. But but I mean, in, in in that 21 year journey, I mean, do, do you think that the world has changed? I mean, clearly shining a spotlight and encouraging and supporting uh, people to come
1: forward to the awards. i, I what, what I'd love to so your thoughts on, has the world shifted? Um, I think the world has shifted. I think there's been a huge amount of activity. Um, we're seeing diversity networks as a norm within organizations. We're seeing a lot of diversity programs um, within organizations, much better policies around maternity, paternity, flexible working, returnships, um, and so on and so forth. Um, but I think everyone would acknowledge, honestly, that we are not making the progress that we need to. So so there's been um, profile, there's been budget, there's been enthusiasm, there's been senior level support. Um, the needle has moved, but it hasn't moved far enough. And I think a lot of firms are now looking internally and saying, well, what do we need to do to actually genuinely move the, legal? the, the, the needle? rather? Um, the rate of ta- change is such that it's going to be decades before we reach gender parity, particularly at the senior levels. So I think it's really important to recognize the excellent work that has been done to celebrate the role models that we have. Um, I mean, one thing I'd say about WIBF is our Champion for Women Award has been won by men Mm -hmm. as well as women. Mm -hmm. So we recognize all those champions for gender parity. But I think there's still a huge amount to do. Um, I think we're at the crest of the wave. I'm very excited at the moment. Um, I know we have a lot to do. But the excitement comes from the fact that I think we are at an inflection point. in history we are at an inflection point because we have gender pay pay gap reporting for the first time not only in the UK but also now for the EU a genuine progress in terms of gender pay gap there and certainly the initiative Uh, we also have the 100 year anniversary of women getting the vote so it's Mm -hmm. recognizing Mm -hmm. one of the most fundamental elements of parity which is having a voice Um, And then I think the Women in Finance Charter, which has been sponsored by HMT, has been hugely powerful in terms of calling firms to genuine action. So moving from strategy and ambition to action and accountability. And I'm thinking that this is where we're really going to be seeing the change.
0: And I, and I think if we look at this from, from sort of the other end of the spectrum of, of, of young people coming into the industry, and, and I, I talk a lot, in fact, only uh, recently I was, I was at one of the largest financial institutions telling the room of people that, by the way, young talent doesn't want to work for people who look like you. It didn't go down in terribly well, it has to be said. Because actually the financial industry has a challenge as you look at you know young executives who come through and are seeing the progress that's being made with women at the top as well. Uh, Miranda I'm really keen to hear from your perspective when you're working with these young execs these young leaders of tomorrow what are the things that they're thinking about and what are they looking for?
2: When I speak to the young executives, for example, I spoke on a panel with Trevor Phillips and a lot of key senior leaders from a black Asian minority ethnic background. And it was predominantly to talk to their their multicultural networking group. But what I did, I actually invited a few of my mentees who are the next generation of young executives. But when I speak to young executives as well, they just want the opportunity and i and that's why i launched the foundation because there seems to be a gap in terms of how do they get the opportunities to get the work experience how do they get the opportunities for when they apply for a particular position that they actually get that job and the the young executives from a black asian minority ethnic background who i mentor they they go through so many application processes, on a few occasions, they will get an interview, but they don't get the job. And so one of the things that I say to them is, you've got to keep pushing, you've Mm -hmm. got to be persistent. For example, I started investment banking when I was 18, after my A-levels, I ended up doing my degree and qualifying in the evenings. But I wanted to be a sales trader and it took me 10 years. So I I share that when I mentor and I coach as well, I open up my address book to networking events, I stress to them that you've got to keep going, you've got to be persistent. But as a senior leader in the industry and a woman of colour, I find a lot of the time you've got to do your day job and then you've also, outside of your day job, you've got to be this pioneer for diversity. And I think one of the key things that we really need is that we need other leaders who are from a, who aren't from a minority background Mm -hmm. to actually help to speak up and we're starting to see that now. Those type of initiatives are changing but just going back to what improvement has been made, there has been some improvement, there has been some progress from since the 1990s. I remember being the only person of colour for many, many years and I think employees are taking those positive steps. One of the key things is that they're actually engaging comprehensive schools and colleges. They're offering that work experience. They're offering employment opportunities for young people who choose not to go to university. There are lots of apprenticeship schemes as well at the moment, which I think is a wonderful avenue for those who don't come from your typical private school. And even if you have gone to a private school, it's another avenue in terms of how you can enter the professional world. I think all of this will help the young people to explore the workplace culture before they actually start work and making them more adaptable in the future. It also helps the employees as well, though, to experience the untapped potential of people from outside the usual elite Mm -hmm. talent pools. There are volunteering and mentoring days as well. I've worked for the top tier investment banks and the big ones. They're all doing their own initiatives. And I think all of these are really great initiatives, especially when you look at the city of London and the square mile, and the neighbouring boroughs are Hackney. And so when you look at the the schools in Hackney, it, it's going to be predominantly children from a black, Asian and minority ethnic background. So that that's another way how organisations and investment banks and financial services organisations and non-financial services organisations are working with the next generation. So the onus shouldn't just be on leaders like myself who are, are active. It shouldn't just be on the next generation. They're dying for mentoring. They're dying for work experience and networking opportunities. But I think we need to have some more collaborative mm-hmm. engagement with the senior leaders and also with middle management as well within the organisations to help close this race diversity gap. And
0: it's really interesting you pick up on that because, because in a lot of the podcasts we've been talking about, the, the whole question of mentoring comes up. We've talked about kind of reverse mentoring where. Way- kind of actually a lot of the institutions can listen to the opinions of the young execs coming through who work very differently. I don't want to brand them all as millennials because we're seeing flavours of um, of, of how you define the young workforce coming through but one message that is coming through loud and clear is, is, well I suppose there are two messages one of them is how do you get through that kind of sticky middle of management? You have always done business in a certain way and how do you engage them in looking elsewhere for their talent thinking very differently about what diversity inclusion looks like and actually not being not being afraid to to tackle it and it does take a degree of bravery for somebody to say well actually you know I I, we talked on our first podcast about the use of language around race and and we had the wonderful Heather Melville on just saying well actually we should just own the language we should call it you know kind of if somebody is black you call them black and actually just and people go I don't want to get into that kind of debate around race because it's very awkward and 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 actually helping people begin to um welcome the discussion, welcome the language and welcome the individuals into their organisation, and and certainly sort of on the um, on the question of gender is is uh, the sort of mentoring of male senior execs. For young female execs or, young, or coming through the ranks, and, and I really support this whole—you know—be mentored by somebody who's not like you, then you can see the world through through different lenses. Almost, it's, it, are we seeing that happen, or is that just utopia?
2: It's it's slowly happening. Um, when when I was at a very big US investment bank over ten years ago now, show you my age. I approached our only female black MD across Europe and this is when I wanted to be a sales trader on the trading floor and her advice to me was, you know, I'm not on the trading floor. You need to, and at the time there were no people of colour on the trading floor in a revenue generating role and her advice was you need to find a white male mentor Mm -hmm. and so I found four.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not to be outdone. To be to be
2: outdone. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but they each, and that's the thing with the mentor, you cannot rely on just one mentor. Right. Each mentor has different skill sets. Within one year of having four mentors, I found myself on the trading floor in a sales role. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think you can really gain a lot. And it's also not just mentors, but having coaches as well. And I, I think lots of these organisations, one of the things that I did was when I was chair of a black networking group at a senior, top tier investment bank, a US investment bank, I launched a mentoring programme, I launched a professional development programme to help with the progression of the black employees there. But for me, it was a case of, I think we need to go beyond the mentoring now. I think reverse mentoring is really important. I think it's really important to have mentors that don't look like you. It's important to have a diverse platform of mentors and I call them your When I um, give talks and when I gave a recent keynote address, I actually said to the next generation that you need to have your own board of advisors. You need to have your own board of mentors who potentially look very different. Mm -hmm. If you have mentors that look like you, that have gone through the same issues like you, you're not really beating this whole diversity issue that we're all facing at the moment. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Vivian? It's an interesting thing that you mentioned there just in terms of the revenue generating role Um, and I think this is perhaps where a lot of firms have struggled is that they're able to achieve greater levels of diversity whether gender or ethnicity or otherwise um, in the non-revenue generating roles and I think the real key is focusing on the revenue generating roles Um, and that will help statistics like the gender pay gap because even if you've got 50-50 if the top Paying jobs, uh, which are the revenue generating jobs, are going to one segment, then it's going to distort the statistics and it creates that inequality all over again. So I think we have to be much more targeted and focused around, you know, where where, where does the effort need to be put in in order to. to um, generate real results
0: mm-hmm. and I think that's very exciting because if you look at the world of b2 C uh, there's a there's a com- there's a common language around you know your retail customers you know you need to reflect what they look like you know and actually in the world of banking and even in the world of SME serving SME markets I think what's really exciting is when you look at the b2b world which is as we've got these diversity inclusion initiatives happening across the board is actually that, that you know, the rising tide lifts all ships, which is actually, do you reflect what your customers look like? And if you're doing it on a B2B basis, as you see greater diversity and inclusion improving one institution that you're selling to, because it's all about business and commercial yes. appetite, that actually hopefully you'll get firms that are selling to them thinking about, well, actually, are we representative as well? Do, do Are you seeing any of that kind of, you know, discussion
1: happening within, within firms at all? I think the B2C model is much, much further ahead Head. Mm-hmm. It just makes so much sense when you look at the purse power of half the population and it actually tends to be much higher. Um, I think it's a lot more challenging in the B2B world, but I'm seeing um, movement there as well. So, for example, with the Women in Finance Charter, um, it is now becoming shortlist of those firms who haven't signed up who haven't committed. Mm-hmm. Now it is those firms that are actually in the spotlight rather than the ones who actually have committed. Um, and that sort of reversal of um, publicity, I think, works really well and engenders those other firms to really push forward um, and to embrace the change and actually move forward. So that's that rising tide you re- yeah. you referred to. Yeah. Miranda, do you have any, any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I... Think just overall in terms of what you said, we also need to focus on the race pay gap. And this is something that I speak about a lot. I'm in the news and in various media sources as well, talking about this. And it's great that we're focusing on the gender and there's LGBT and there's age, but when you look at statistics and research, race is all the way down the bottom. And when you look at various research, you've got gender diversity. There's something called the Stuart Spencer Index Report that was out a few years ago. And that actually stated that race diversity is nearly 20 years behind gender diversity in terms of the levels. So we need to focus a lot more on how do we get more ethnic minorities in the door? How do we get more women in the door as well? Mm -hmm. Because it all stems from school. I go to lots of schools and I give lots of talks, not only on inspirational talks and showing my career journey to let them see someone who is a success doing particular occupations that they might aspire to achieve but also to talk to them about the diversity issues and I went to a primary school earlier on this year and I was talking to four to 10-year-olds and I asked them the question, how many people in the room think the role of a CEO is a man's job? And the majority of the children aged between four to 10 put their hands up. When I asked about the role of a judge, the same statistics. So we really need to start earlier on at the school ages in order for them to have the aspirations, in order for them to believe that they can get these top jobs. Then once they're in the jobs, how do we get them to be promoted? And this all comes down to the unconscious bias training Mm -hmm. online? How do we engage the managers? So a lot of the time we'll get the messages from the CEO and from the board who will publicly announce that they are supporting diversity. And then somehow, sometimes when you trickle it down to the middle management and to Mm -hmm. the lower management, it gets missed. And so I think we've got to make sure that there's training, there's hiring training as well. And it's not just reliant upon the HR department, but it's something that should be discussed every single day. I really think this should be part of your performance appraisal. It should be part of your objectives. We're talking about targets as well, where various organisations are also setting targets in terms of gender. And there is something recent. I think it was the FCA. They've actually published some statistics and also some research where they want to increase their gender by 50% in terms of senior leadership by 2025. Mm -hmm. Now, all these targets that have been set by these organisations, it's all focused on gender. We really need to try to embrace race diversity as well because it makes business sense. We all know it makes business sense Mm -hmm. as well now, which I think is one of the main reasons why we have so many organisations and so many networks focused on diversity, but... When we look at the statistics, there still isn't much progress, so what can the middle managers be doing and what can the management be doing in order to help close this gap? And I wonder
0: there if there's something we can learn from and again that's why this is is such a great conversation because actually we're looking at both ends of the spectrum with you know the the gender debate over 21 years versus you know kind of the the young execs coming through and particularly around race which is being many respects we could argue slightly sidelined and needs to take prominence. Is there anything we can learn from progress and the gender side that we could we could bring to light in on on the on gender debate. Vivian, any, any
1: thoughts on that? I think there's a lot we can learn, but a lot of it is around looking at what actually drives the current Mm behaviours. And, you know, in the financial services sector, uh, it's about talent and it's about profit. And I think the debate has been won in terms of diversity. A diverse company is a more profitable company, so it's a bit of a no-brainer. And I think the talent um, issue is now coming to bear post-financial crisis, where the talent is drying up, um, both coming in, but also retaining the talent within the firms. and I think that's going to drive firms to make the necessary changes. And that will be, that is a gender issue, but it's going to help in the BAME discussion as well, because it is about diversity and it is about talent. How do you attract it? How do you retain it? And how do you then promote it? Because without that pipeline, we're never going to actually deal with the big issue, which is at the top. Um, We spoke earlier about role models, and I think the role models are so very important. I think I'm more and more conscious these days that Given, gender, uh, sorry, given uh, generational differences, I think it'd be quite challenging uh, to be a role model of a different generation for a much younger generation, perhaps one that is one or two generations behind you, because my experiences were very different from what they're experiencing uh, now in terms of, of their workplace. But if you can't find a role model, be a role model. And I think that's something we should all carry with us. Just because you're young and just because you're new doesn't mean that you can't be that role model. Um, and it's the reverse mentoring, I think, where you can achieve that in quite a subtle way.
0: And I, and I think we're at an interesting point with, with financial services particularly where, you know, we need a lot of people with very specific skills, skills that, skill sets that didn't necessarily exist you know, kind of, uh, you know, even five years ago. And I'm thinking there particularly around sort of data scientists, etc. And if you go out to the universities, you go out to the schools, the apprenticeships, et cetera, is, uh, you know, this is a great opportunity for people to be looking and hiring very differently. I mean, I, I, I was standing in front of a besuited group only at the end of last year talking about this and saying, you know, actually, the people you're looking for will mostly be wearing hoodies. So this is a, just a beautiful example of how you need to mentally shift your recruitment policies. And, and I think that that's, a, that's an interesting uh, opportunity to be thinking about the BAME community and bringing them in. Because actually the world of trading, and I do a lot of it around sales trading and uh, trading in foreign exchange and for fixed income, et etc. And I say, people, you know, where do you hire? And they say, well, we always hire people from sports clubs at universities because we find they're very, very competitive. And the first thing that I always say to them is, what are you telling me? There are no highly competitive, BAME sports people at university. that's just ridiculous. And it isn't people going, yes, actually, you're right. We need to think differently. We need to behave differently. We need to hire in different places. Do do you think, again, this is is all very easy to say. Do you think we'll see some evidence of shifting that mindset?
2: I hope so. You know, I I think it goes back to what I said a bit earlier on where there's, there's lots of talk. And one of the things that I say is that we need more action now. There's lots of talk. There's lots of wonderful campaigns. There's lots of corporates. Every night of the week, you can go to a diversity event. But what I find is, and I spoke at Westminster during, but I did lots of talks during Black History Month 2017. And when I spoke at Westminster, one of the key things that I said was that, when we have these diversity events it's the same speakers that are just going around all these other corporates sharing the same ideas the same viewpoints and talking to the same audience who already get it and one of the key and if we're just talking to each other and it's just the same people coming to these events progress is going to be slow and one of the things i say is we need more action and less talk or more talk and more action, we need to engage our white male counterparts because they are the ones who are in these positions, who are in the boardroom, who are in senior management, the majority of the time, they are the ones who hold this role. Vivian? Well to
1: pick up on your point I agree it's time for action and no longer for words and I think the other side of action is accountability and I'm a great proponent of the Women in Finance Charter and what's fascinating there is that it promotes action and it also sets out an accountability mechanism that will work. And
0: so let's take a pause there and hand over to our colleagues Cynthia Akinsanya and Robert Pinto Fernandez. What have you found in the industry?
1: A 2017 article published by the executive search company Spencer Stewart titled Profile of the Fortune 500 Chief Financial Officers Today and in the Future looked at the route up to CFO level and the diversity of current CFOs.
2: Looking at the path to CFO positions, as of 2016, CFOs are more likely to be promoted from within than they were 10 years ago. 69% of Fortune 500 CFOs in 2016 were internal successors. From 2006 to 2016, 61% of the 805 CFO transitions went to internal candidates.
1: And in terms of demographics and diversity, women now represent less than 13% of Fortune 500 CFOs. While this is still low, it represents a meaningful increase in female representation since 2006 when only 7% of CFOs were women.
2: Representation of ethnically diverse CFOs has doubled since 2006 to 6%. Progress may accelerate in the future as many organisations are focusing on building more diverse teams, prioritising female and ethnically diverse candidates. So I
0: think this has been a really interesting discussion uh, and I think there's a natural intersection that's worth
2: exploring, which is
0: around women of colour in financial services. And, and uh, so Miranda, I mean, 20 years in investment banking and sales trading and the world of capital markets. And legal. And legal, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, what, could, what observations could you draw and where do you think we need some focus there?
2: I think the focus needs to be on getting more women more people of colour, more LGBT, age, disability, social background and so on, getting them all the way up the ranks so that they fulfil their full potential. We need to look at the boardroom as well. So how do we increase the boardroom? But I, I just want to share with you a new study that has been produced by Mm leanin.org and also McKenzie & Co. Now, this is based on men and women in the workplace in North America, but I think we could apply it here in the UK as well. And this is with reference to corporate ambition. And when they asked women of colour what were their views on the workplace, and when they looked at statistics as well, women of colour are far more likely than white women to say, that they aspire to a top executive role but they get little help and the survey took place with men and women and it found that black latina and asian women they still hold only 3% of c suite roles compared with 16.7% of entry level roles now Black women are more likely to say that they do not have interactions with their top bosses who are more likely to be white men. And only 23% of managers have helped them navigate the organisational politics compared with 36% of white women. And this is according to the data. Mm -hmm. And this has remained largely unchanged within the last three years. So in conclusion to that, I would say that in terms of what I'm seeing within the workplace, within the UK workforce, The study is true. We don't see enough women of colour in senior positions. And I think some managers probably don't realise that minority women are actually facing hurdles. So we need to encourage more conversation within the workplace to actually listen to our next generation, listen to our existing future leaders who do come from a black Asian minority ethnic background and also listen to women what are the challenges and barriers that they're facing so that senior management can address that and I think if you look
0: at sort of uh, women in banking and finance and I know that one of your awards looks at particularly sort of champions of women and in the last few years I may not have this quite right but there have been a number of men who have been forward have come forward as, as champions as well but to this point about sort of women of color sort of coming through the
1: ranks as well what's been your experience from women in banking and finance well one of the things about women in banking and finance being a member-led organisation is we give our members the opportunity to take on those leadership positions. And I'm very proud to say that we have had three outstanding presidents of Women in Banking and Finance who have been women of colour. So we reflect our membership and help our members to achieve those leadership positions so that they can further their careers and be successful. So I think that we are very much on the same page, Miranda.
0: And great role models as well. I've had the privilege of meeting quite a few of them and they are are, extraordinary role models models uh, i know that you are two of the busiest women in the city uh, and i'm immensely grateful thank you both very much for joining us miranda and vivian thank you And so this draws to the end, the first series of Diversity Podcasts. And I'd like to take a moment to thank a number of people. First of all, to all our guests for their time, to offer their insights. And we really appreciate lots of ideas from our listeners as well for recommendations for future guests. Do please uh, let us know. Also to you, our ever-growing community of followers and listeners. Thank you for taking an interest and for all your comments. And please do follow us on Twitter at DiversityPod. Sign up for our newsletters at DiversityPodcast.com. And we'd love it if you could give us a rating or a review on iTunes. It really does help promote the show. And so we'll be back in January 2018 and look forward to further debate about diversity and inclusion in financial services. Thank you for listening.